Okay, so hello everyone. Today I have the pleasure of introducing Marla Kaplowitz, President and CEO at 4Ace, with whom we share the mission of empowering and training agencies to innovate and grow through infinite creativity. Marla brings 30 years experience in marketing and communications, being board member of the BBB National Members, CEO at MEC North America, subsidiary of Group M and WPP, and MediaVest uh, Exec Vice President. She also serves on the boards of the Ad Council, Advertising Self-Regulatory Council, Digital Advertising Alliance, and Trustworthy Accountability Group and was recognized as a woman to watch. So thanks Marla for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> what today brings us together is how are agencies facing the crisis and what are brands demanding? Marla as president and CEO at 4As, that is the advertising agencies in, in America Association, um, we have some questions for you, Marla, and for those who stay until the end, Marla will be available to answer any of your questions. So use the chat to start asking questions. And if you're liking the video podcast, give also Marla a thumbs up here. <laughs> <laughs> so Marla, how the advertising industry has been affected by the crisis? Yeah, I think that every business has been transformed as a result of this crisis because we didn't just experience it in isolation. We experienced it as a global entity and the entire world went down on lockdown. And that meant one week, I, I think we all were going into the office. Things were kind of happening in other countries, but at least in the U.S., we were sort of thinking, well, that's elsewhere. And then it all sort of shifted in mid-March and everyone had to quickly pivot. And I think the biggest pivot was everyone working remotely. We've always had people, a small percentage of the workforce that has worked remotely, uh, but typically one day a week or a couple days a week. There are some people that have had the luxury of working remotely, living in different countries or cities and working for a company, but very few companies had really embraced a true distributed workforce model. So that was the first thing. People had to adjust to that. And from all of our conversations, people adjusted really well. Um, there were very few technology hiccups. People were adjusting. There were a lot of tests in place. Clearly, we're all very fortunate that the majority of roles in the agency business can be done remotely. We know that in other industries, that is not always the case. So we have, we've really benefited from that. Another pivot that had to happen was production. A lot of production shut wow. down almost immediately. And one of the things that I truly love about this industry is how scrappy people are. They just figure it out. And so people were grabbing equipment and saying, all right, I got to figure out a new way of getting this done. But that also forced people to be really creative in the way that they had to execute. What did they have around them? What could they do? They weren't going to have access to actors or big productions. And they were able to streamline. You started hearing about companies like GM that got production done in five days from brief to storyboard to execution. It's sort of unheard of. Uh, so what I do see is that people have proven you can get things done 
quicker and faster. Uh, and the key is to make sure that the creativity still comes through in any type of work that is getting done. So uh, I think we're going to continue to change our expectations of what that looks like. Um, another shift that happened for everyone immediately, in addition to the halt in production, was the shift to virtual pitching. And yeah. if you mm -hmm. think about what people hope to get out of new business pitching is to build a relationship, right? It's yeah. all about the chemistry that you can create. And everyone sees that as a, an in-person dynamic. You have your chemistry meeting, you might have a tissue session or a tech or data session. You've got your plan session. I mean, it just goes on and on until you get to the final end of that cycle yeah. and you do your big dog and pony show. Well, you couldn't really do a dog and pony show uh, and make this big extravagant plan anymore. Uh, and you didn't have to worry in many ways about what that whole experience was going to look like. You had to think about what was the virtual experience going to look like and how could you still bring yeah. the culture of your agency, the personality and the dynamics of the individuals to that experience. And it really forced people to rehearse you've got to rehearse and you've got to coordinate particularly when you're going to be in a virtual environment it streamlined the number of people in the conversation to make sure it was only the most essential people and it allowed for better dialogue uh, all the feedback we've gotten from pitch consultants and also from agencies is that this actually sort of fostered a better experience for them as a result uh, Think about being in the room in a new business pitch. And I know for myself, you're, yeah. you can't kind of look at everyone at once, but you've got this static screen. You can kind of look at what's going on. Although I've also heard some people are turning off their video, which makes that a little bit more challenging. Yeah. But net, uh, net. In yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like how prepared you think was the industry to take on like these changes that you're talking about, like in work culture, all the all the all this change that brought about uh, by this crisis i would say that people were not necessarily prepared for it if you're mm -hmm. talking about global agencies that knew what was going on already in asia because it was starting to impact people in asia mm -hmm. and as it yeah. started to go into europe they were starting to get a sense of how they needed to adapt so there was some learning that was starting to happen but as i yeah. said people just had to figure it out. Everyone was in the same position at the same time and really had to do what I believe agencies, regardless of the type, do brilliantly, which is to think creatively and to yeah. come up with the right kind of solutions to make it happen. So. And in terms of like you were saying, like virtual pitchings and like, which are the, the you think, the true challenges that agencies have nowadays? Or, or and how agile have agencies been adapting to the changes in the market after the crisis? Uh, well, I think we're still in the crisis very much. So yeah. um, in many parts of the world. So yeah, uh, after the crisis started, right? Yeah, after it's absolutely. So I would say that uh, we're we've seen some shifts in terms of challenges when it came to, I'll, I'll just start with the most obvious, which was cash flow, right? There was going to no. be an immediate impact to agencies on 
advertisers either cutting back spending, pausing spending, if you had clients that were in travel, tourism, hospitality, airline industry, uh, that was gonna go away. People were initially reluctant to have any sort of contextual connection to any news around COVID and death. That was yeah. very challenging. So there was some blocking that was happening on keywords. I think that's, that quickly got addressed. But there were some real challenges for agencies who already have had pressure when it comes to payment terms. And you had agencies, in some cases, being dictated that there would be new extended payment terms uh, and that there were some delays on their payments. And we have to remember that agencies have people to pay. Nearly three quarters of their costs tend to be around people. So if you're not getting the kind of money that you anticipated based on the agreements that you have, it becomes mm -hmm. very problematic for people. Yeah. So and do you think that brands also like change their demand on agencies? They, they did. Some, mm -hmm. some were very accommodating. Other, there were definitely some that, as I said, were challenged. It was understandable for certain clients in certain industries, but then there were, I've heard stories of clients in categories that were doing well that wanted to protect cash flow and therefore pushed that down. And so that gets pushed down to the agency. And then think about that, that gets pushed down and it keeps going and it becomes a real issue for people. So that is a challenge that is gonna continue. It needed to be short term. Those payment wow. terms should not have been extended beyond, okay, this is one time only. We, we really encouraged agencies to make sure they got that in writing, not to continue mm -hmm. to allow that. And I hope that that shifts. Uh, this is something that is really concerning, especially when you see companies that are out there talking about their CSR mm -hmm. initiatives at the same time that they're not necessarily paying agencies um, for the value that they bring and for what that they deliver. Yeah, hundred percent. That that's why I'm like totally happy that we like we share the mission of like empowering agencies. And I mean, today more than ever is is very helpful to to bring these agencies like the the metrics and the like the tools to give them to allow them to negotiate better their fees with our clients because there's no way we can improve the industry we can make this industry better like creative creativity and like to make creative people grow within the same companies like within the same agencies without the need of like dropping and moving from agency to agency and just like grow not just professionally in terms of like awards but economically economically as well yes. right so at core we are helping the uh, largest creative agencies in the world as well as like a lot of independent agencies with the largest i mean like um we work with young, uh, like YNR, BML, YNR, Ogilvy, Wonderman, Gray, uh, BBDO, DDB, FCB, McCann, Mullen Low, Sachin Sachi, Leo Burnett, Havas, uh, like among others, and among like a lot of independent agencies in 18 countries, mostly to give them tools to ne negotiate fees that are in this time 
more needed than ever, right? Because if we, it's impossible to, to, to increase salaries with, if, we, if our fees are uh, way lower than they were before, right? So yeah. we need to increase fees, to negotiate fees, to, to pay people better, right? Yeah, so and part of that is changing the terms that the contracts mm -hmm. are based on because to focus on FTE models and to not focus on true scope deliverables and outcomes is really challenging because you need yeah. to invest in the people, as you say. Yeah, totally. And we are, and so we're very happy because CORE is actually part of our Accelerate Access program, which is our members only program. And thank you for offering 15% off to new members, for our members, but to anyone new coming into the program, that's terrific. And you can find that on our website at 4as.org backslash CORE backslash. And I'll paste that in the chat later too. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this crisis came with a lot of like tough situations, but one of the like the toughest one I think is like brands willing to ask more work for the same fee or even more like more work for a lower fee, right? Yeah. So it's key to understand the like the price per deliverable and the price per hour and understanding the profitability of each service that we're providing, not just like my client profitability or my fee profitability, like per service, per deliverable, so we can actually talk with our client about that deliverable, that service in particular, and negotiate that. Like, and we need to give agencies arguments. And I mean, <clears throat> it's uh, this crisis is it's a lot about understanding uh, costs, right? So, and, and for that, for this, like, we also need brands to be more responsible, right? Mm -hmm. Because we need brands to, to take care of the, the agencies because ideas, uh, they need to, to, to value their, their ideas because their business is, their, the agency's business is to make their businesses better, right? So yeah, it's to drive growth. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, I think there's a, like a quote of like, uh, of misunderstanding uh, today that the, um, that agencies need to, to get better paid in terms of like adding, adding to retain creative and senior talent and also to provide better work to their to the clients, right? Yeah. Simple and like Edelman that. did an update to their trust barometer survey shortly after COVID hit, and they found, I believe it was close to 90% of consumers of people expect companies not only to treat their employees well, and that has to do, but also with their suppliers. And so that has a knock-on effect in terms yeah. of how you're treating people during the crisis. Right. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Morla, like, how can this adaptation of like agencies through the crisis could be evaluated? Yeah, I think one of the positives, uh, you know, you mentioned that agencies and how agile they were. I, I do think it was a real shift, and they are figuring out how to streamline things. So, 
I talked earlier about kind of the scrappiness with production and new business pitching that happened, but mm -hmm. there was also a strengthening of the agency client relationship because you had to make decisions very quickly. You didn't have to deal with the minutiae. Uh, you immediately got to the key decision maker. So things were going straight to the CMO. CMO role was becoming increasingly more visible within the organization as a result of what was happening. And it allowed the agency to focus in on what they do best, which is solving the most challenging business problems. It's pretty hard to find a more challenging business problem than the pandemic, uh, especially yeah. for companies on a global scale. So I think that it, every, the feedback that we've gotten is that it actually really helped strengthen those client agency partners because everyone was in it together. And to your point, agencies exist to help mm -hmm. business, to help yeah. brands drive <laughs> growth to yeah. address those problems. So the other shift that happened, because you have the streamlined decision-making, one of the challenges always for agencies is making sure that they are pushing and being provocative to the client, getting them to think things differently. You can do that as an external uh, as an external person who has perspective on culture and what's going on competitively, but also to make sure that you're kind of on the outside looking in and getting companies to take a little more risk. So you did see more risk taking going on. You didn't see pe people didn't have time to test creative. Uh, they were being a little bit more open to doing things differently and we're already seeing some of those shifts that have happened continue. And I do hope that some of those positives do continue to stay. Can you give us any example on those ones that you have seen? Well, it's, it's agencies just sharing with us, just the relationships are much stronger and because they have been able to have more positive, constructive conversations about the marketing and not yeah. the small things that get in the way uh, of you know, who's going to the production shoot or how long this is going to take or who's mm -hmm. going to make the final decision on this uh, or how long is it going to take before you have to go through multiple layers. It's, it's just streamlining everything right now. Uh, no one has the luxury of time to, mm -hmm. to be expanding it because everyone is working uh, so fast and furiously to get things done at this point. Yeah. Which do you think are the best strategies for agencies to survive? I mean, I, I've been reading, uh, you, you posted some articles uh, on like websites, LinkedIn, and you were talking about like resilient agencies. Mm -hmm. can, you, can you tell us and can you tell the people who are listening to us, what is this that you're calling resilient agencies? Sure. So coming uh, as COVID started, we started getting questions about what should brands do in an economic downturn? And mm -hmm. everyone was looking back to the recession 2008, 2009 yeah. and trying to understand what did brands do to stay strong during that time period? And the, the key was that they all maintained spending. They didn't go off they didn't stop their advertising you need to maintain that relationship with your consumer with your customer mm -hmm. those companies also where they were making decisions quickly they were investing in what they saw was coming next so we were getting questions around 
what should we as agencies do to make sure that we not only survive but thrive during this period? And we couldn't find a lot that had data points around what did the agencies do during that time period. So we thought it would be an interesting exercise to really go back, look at what some companies, what some agencies did, and then what could we do to identify what were some of those common traits. And we, we focused on two areas. The first was around financial and operational to ensure that the agency could survive. And then the second was around how you plan for the future to ensure the agency can thrive. And what we found was the agencies that really were the most resilient definitely manage their finances. So we talked to a whole host of agencies. I mean, in the beginning, I will tell you, especially the independent agencies in the beginning, uh, these are a lot of people that are owners and they were very quickly assessing their cash flow and what they needed to do um, as every company was, but they, they were making decisions very quickly because they needed to. Uh, the next thing is to focus on your current clients and really pursue the right new business opportunities. They were very selective about that approach. Uh, <laughs> Robin from Mercer Island says, love the one you're with when you talk about your current clients. Uh, the third area is leverage learning and new experience with a distributed talent and production models to deliver value to clients. So we saw that happen uh, as a result and then find ways to move into new categories and disciplines and create new offerings to help your clients succeed so those were sort of the the hallmarks and then within financial and operational cash management is essential talked about cash flow making sure that the contracts are truly written in the right way that all the paperwork is done and complete to ensure you have the right financial commit commitments made with a client, aligning the agency's business behind not only your client needs, but their growth strategies, and focusing, on, as I said before, on your existing clients, thinking of them as high-value prospects, especially if you're starting to look to invest in new areas. And then when we think about planning for the future, so think of that as like, let's make sure the agency is going to survive, and then how can the agency truly thrive? That's mm -hmm. about striving for maintaining that balanced client roster. Think of it almost like an investment portfolio. You mm -hmm. always want to make sure that you stay balanced, that you don't ever have one client yeah. that's over 50% of your overall operating revenue. Um, yeah. We have seen agencies fall into that. Or we also saw some agencies that were over-reliant on being a specialist in travel or hospitality. They obviously have had more issues versus those who have a broad array. I talked to one CEO who said they were never so happy to have uh, what were viewed as staid clients like CPG. People would always say, oh, those are boring. She said, I'm so happy to have these types <laughs> of clients because they're doing really well during this time. Yeah. Uh, another area is to make sure that you explore diversifying your product offerings. What can you expand? What do you see happening in the marketplace now? What were some of the shifts that happened? So are there new digital products or services that could really help the client problems? We saw companies that really had gone through the digital transformation and focused on customer experience did far better than those who were behind. Uh, and you saw a real distinction between those types of companies. Uh, and 
we actually had heard from some agencies that they didn't want to do new business pitching during this time. They wanted meetings canceled, whereas other ones, the majority said, no, 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 we, we need to keep this going. And I was telling people, no, you need to do this. I mean, new business is the lifeblood of an agency. It is so important, especially as more and more work shifts from AOR to project. You need that project work. You need that work coming in. Uh, so that's really critical. And then making sure that you can invest for the future without cutting too far. And I know sometimes that's challenging for some companies, but to see where things are going and be able to start to invest there. And then to truly value creativity, and, and that's in all forms. Uh, it truly does drive the commerce and that always wins. And to make sure you're always delivering fresh thinking and solutions across all the disciplines. So those were, yeah. it's a lot. and. People can go to our website and download the paper on resilient agencies. It was meant to be, you know, fairly brief, but just taking a look at what were some of the areas that people could, could do. And we created a checklist at the end to make it a little bit easier for people as well. <laughs> yeah. So mainly you said also like to, to focus on cash, to check your contracts, focus on ex existing clients, diversify, not just your, not just your, like your portfolio on industries but offerings as well, like product yeah. offerings, uh, new businesses. And when we're talking about new businesses, more like, like, do you think agencies should activate also like new pricing strategies? Absolutely. I think that people always come to us and say, well, what's the right model or what's the right, mm -hmm. you should always be expanding and looking at different ways of doing that. So we're always providing different perspectives to our members to make sure they understand. Uh, because even if you have one strategy, it doesn't mean that every client is going to accept that. So you typically have different approaches depending upon who your client is. And this is a great time to be thinking differently about that, showing um, just how you can adapt to what their needs are, but also as your needs evolve. What strategies do you think could be effective? We talk a, a lot about making sure that it's always viewed as value and not cost. How do you really focus on the value conversation? Uh, one of the areas that we address uh, with the consultant, Tim Williams, he talks a lot about price choicing models, making mm -hmm. sure that you're always giving options, usually three options to provide uh, some context, but typically it really is clear on what is the scope of work, what are the deliverables, mm -hmm. and then the client understands, well, what are they going to get, but they have a choice between A, B, and C, and typically they will go for the middle option, and it's an opportunity to have clarity up front, but also to hold firm on if, if you want to still go hours, but it's really about the outcomes and the deliverables. Yeah, yeah. Um... On that perspective, like we are at core, we are helping agencies also to give their clients visibility on the ROI that, like, on the ROI of the investments that the client is doing on the agency. In like in concrete, it will be like it. It's not just understanding the cost and the like and the deliverables that you're giving to the client, to the brand, but also what's the impact on that deliverable. And this is by connecting our solution to different solutions that are up there in the market that can like 
give you the reach on the like on any post that you did on like any email that you prepared so it's not just like understanding like how much this deliverable costs but it's also understanding the impact of this deliverable right yes because brands are we're seeing today like a lot of desperation so they are asking for a lot of work and they don't actually perceive that it doesn't depend depends in it, there are exceptions right but it's not necessarily aligned the amount of deliverables with the impact that that's going to take right correct so and the resources yeah, yeah totally totally and how how do you think the the negotiations are being affected by these new like pricing strategies that you have been like talking and writing about uh, they seem to be working based on the feedback we have. We, we have some agencies that are doing away with timesheets, for example. So there's no reconciliation of hours. They can move off of an FTE model. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more challenging when you have existing clients and contracts. But as you're starting to bring on new clients, you can make that shift and you can start to shift overall within the agency how you go to contract, how you work those negotiations. So that, I think that will continue. People are always experimenting with how do you actually get the true value out of yeah. the work that you're doing. Right. As a reminder, for those who stay until the end, Marla will be available in 10 minutes to answer any of your questions. So we are inviting you to start using the chat. I, I can see that there are some questions. Uh, but feel free to to ask any, any anything because we're gonna give 20, 20 minutes to to this q a so and, and marla like how do you feel or are you talking with brands and or are you also talking with agencies and their clients to understand how the client is taking all these like negotiations if if they're like uh, open to that or if they're closed it really depends who on the client side you're talking about if it's the procurement people versus the marketing people uh, people in general they're always open to having those conversations the challenge is making sure that it's a consistent way of looking backwards. So procurement people always want to be able to compare. And if you start changing how you're paid or what the metrics are, it makes it more challenging. So anything you can do to be able to compare that, to give a look backwards if needed, uh, is incredibly helpful. Great. <clears throat> Here are like, can I take a, there's Mark Jameson here asking, um, what are you, I, I think that this is very interesting. What are you hearing from agencies on how they are opening back up? Is it very varying from a geography perspective? Yeah, this has been a topic for a while. We actually did a document about six weeks ago, uh, also on our site called Return to Office that was taking sort of the best of all the different pieces of advice and putting it in one place. Uh, and really it's more a series of questions that you need to answer. What's been happening in the US is interesting because as 
Some agencies have started to reopen their physical space. Uh, they've also been in states where the surge is happening as it relates to COVID and they're having to scale that back. Most agencies are either slowly coming back or delaying that decision. So those that are coming back are only allowing a small group. In many cases, they're doing an A team and a B team. Uh, it, it's so different depending upon the agency and the location. So we were having this conversation yesterday because we were just working out our plan for our New York office. And we were saying, first it starts with what is the city you're in the region, the state, because you have to understand what's happening and what are the parameters that you need to be addressing. Uh, you need to first and foremost be thinking about the health and safety of your employees. The next is how do your employees get to your office? Do they take public transportation? Do they have their own transportation? If they're on public transportation, that's a lot more challenging in terms of the comfort level and the ability to ensure that people are safe then you have to look at your own office building. Do you own your office? Are you in a shared office? Do people have to get into an elevator? What is the policy for your building? So there's so many variables and questions you have to address before you even get to your own space. And then once you're in your own space, do you have temperature check? How do you manage uh, mask wearing, distancing to ensure six feet apart? Uh, there are so many considerations that you need to have. So uh, it's a real mix right now. Uh, th there are some agencies that are pushing, many had pushed that decision off to September. We're starting to hear many say through the end of the year, again, depending upon where they are located. There are others that even as they're bringing people back, they recognize they're only going to get to probably 50% capacity in order to comply with distancing. And they keep asking their employees, what do you miss most? Because what you miss most is being with others, connecting. You're not going to have that. You're going to have to put more screens in your office because you're still going to have people working remotely. Um, I did a poll even of my own team that almost a half of the people would like some sort of option where they get to work a few days remotely. And I have some people who never want to go back to the office again. Mm -hmm, yeah. uh, and that's not so dissimilar from what we're hearing. So I think you're going to see some agencies start to use their office space almost like a showroom for new business pitches or as a place for people to come and convene. We've had some agencies say, I don't need people to come in to just sit at their desk. They can do that at home. So what are we missing from the in-person and how do we replicate that? But do we need to replicate that five days a week, 40 hours a week, whatever that may be, probably not. So they're all starting to think differently. We have some taking more real estate because they want to be able to spread out. We have others reducing their footprint. Uh, we know of one who's going, we have, uh, we have some members that are already a completely distributed workforce model where they've never had an office. And we have some that are slowly getting there. So it's, it's such a spectrum of the types, but it is, a very hot topic. And now the question we're getting from some members is, what is the policy in a post-COVID world? And we keep saying, can we just focus on a COVID world? Because we don't see that ending anytime soon, uh, unless this vaccine comes out sometime. So that's, that's generally. Yeah. And Marla, like, in which way you think that the advertising industry, like, will improve with all, with all this? 
I think that this is a huge opportunity. If you think about what agencies are, they're about people and finding mm -hmm. the best talent. And this has shown that people can really live anywhere. You can tap into talent from mm -hmm. so many different geographies, which opens up the possibilities of diversity and the way that you can bring in different types of people and different thinkers. And I just think that's a huge opportunity for agencies, uh, especially as work becomes more project, to be able to pull in different thinkers, different approaches. That's a real advantage. Uh, and people are more comfortable now with this whole idea of working remotely. People who were never comfortable with it as agency leaders have said, oh, okay, I guess we've proven that we can make this work. I do hear creative directors are still missing the physical, just like bouncing ideas off of each other that it's not the same. No. Uh, so I think it depends on what discipline you're in and as well as your personality too. No. Core believes that part of the solution to the, to the biggest pain in the advertising industry is recognize, recognizing how much your work costs. So we're, because I've seen more like that you have pasted the, the link here in the chat. Um, yeah, so our aim is to give the insights needed for a more and clever management of your agency in a constantly changing world. Uh, so we are, like we are not only a solution, but a different way of working. And that's why we are offering this like significant discount for, for ACE members. So thanks Marla for, for answering all these questions. And if you like, we can go ahead and, and pick up some of the questions that people are posting here. Um, would you, would you like me to? Yes, you get to pick where you okay. want to start. So here it says, Marla, what are the things that will continue from work from home when we eventually get back to a new normal? I think you have just mentioned them, but if you want to add something else. I, I would just add that you're going to see a lot more people working from home. I think that you're going to see increased flexibility and that's going to be for many people a requirement when they decide what company they want to work for. Yeah, totally agree. It's a, it says all the graduates who are, who were looking at a robust job market last February, what advice can you offer for them in the coming months? We don't want to lose this young talent coming into the business. I totally agree with you. We have a wonderful intern program called MATE. It's the Multicultural Advertising Intern Program, and we've been running it for 47 years. And this year, we were supposed to have our biggest group ever. We were going to increase by almost 100 people. We're going to be 325. So we turned that into a virtual engagement program. We've actually taken the people that were finalists. So we have about 380 total. Every single one of them has a coach. We're continuing to do labs, educate them because we still want them to see that there's opportunity within this industry. Right now, there are still people that are hiring. There is still work that is happening. And I would tell them to still stay focused, to stay positive, and to continue to network and to reach out to people as much as they can. But also continue to educate yourself, continue to, there's a lot of 
free online courses and ways that you can continue to stay up on what's happening in the industry. Right. Marla, do you think that then that the crisis is forcing agencies to rethink changes that have been a necessity for quite some time? And this is a positive opportunity for the ad agency business? Yeah, I think it's back to, uh, I know people tend to quote Rahm Emanuel, don't let a good crisis go to waste. And what I have seen in my time in the industry, and I always say it's, it's truly a roller coaster. And every, I'm sure nearly everyone in the agency business has been through a downturn, whether it's your agency downturn. Uh, for people who've been in the business for 10 years or less, this is very different for them. They were not around during the recession to experience what some of those challenges were. And so now they're having to understand. But it is, uh, it's a reset moment and it forces you to do what you need to do. And the plans, the ideas that you have, as I said, decision-making is sped up, but it also allows you, it's, you sort of have permission because you have no choice but to address your cash flow needs. What do you need? What are the areas you need to invest? What are, what are the areas within your agency that are doing well that you need to lean into? What's happening with your clients? Uh, it is an opportunity and it, as negative as it is, and it's hard to see some of the headlines, it is an opportunity for a reset and you shouldn't look at this as going backwards, but how can you take advantage of the reset moment to rethink the way you do your business, to invest in new areas, to recognize the people in your company that provide the greatest value and that are the real talent of your business and lean into them and support them and help them grow. Right. Marla, have you heard any relationship between creative ability and working from home? Yeah, we've heard some mix. I think it depends on who's, who's doing the assessment. So there is one uh, independent agency CEO who is of creative background who cannot wait to get back in the office and <laughs> does not believe that the quality of the creative work is as strong as it was when they were all together. Now, there are other people that think it works fine. Uh, I'm hearing mixed things. If you had a really strong partner to begin with and you already had that relationship and that dynamic, it can work much better in a virtual environment. If you have to now pair two people that have never met before, you have to find ways for those people to get to know each other. You have to build in time for that. That takes a lot of getting to know you, being vulnerable, being open. And so we're going to see that shift over time. But more and more people are adapting to how you work, how you overcome some of the challenges and I do know that there are introverts and extroverts and the introverts don't love the video as much as the extroverts do. Uh, people are getting used to it. The Zoom headaches are real. Uh, so you, you just have to be able to manage it and you have to be respectful of other people and know that everyone uh, is adapting in their own way and some people have embraced it fully and others are still kind of coming along. So we will see. I think it's challenging in big groups. Uh, I know people are still struggling on how do we make this work, but again, they're figuring it out. Great. Agency culture is such, a, such an important part of the company. How are agencies creating the culture in the online world? 
We have so many great examples of this because I think this was one of the biggest concerns coming out of uh, agency leaders is how do you do that? And interestingly, especially for the large agencies, trying to get your entire staff together, particularly when they're in multiple offices, you never did that. If you had a town hall, you would, let's say you're headquartered in New York or Chicago, you could get people together there. But even then, you might have to rent a space because you didn't have enough space in your building. It's really hard. Uh, it was much more challenging. Whereas now you can set up a Zoom call. You can accommodate everyone in every time zone. And you can maybe, you're not going to see everyone at the same <laughs> time. But you have an engagement and a connection as long as you can figure that out. So that's one. Another is you have to find ways to allow people to express their personality and to let the culture shine through. So yeah. there are some agencies where fun is value. Okay, so how are you going to do things that are fun? Uh, there's one agency that we're, every week was doing, it was almost like a spirit week where they were doing different fun things that were addressing different aspects of the culture that they used to. So they're, they had found ways to take what they were doing in the office and to convert it online. I think in the beginning, people were doing a lot of the virtual happy hours, and I think they quickly realized that would only go so far, that they had to be a lot more creative in what they were yeah. doing. And it is still a challenge, and, and we talk about it even as a 4A staff. How do we make sure that we're connecting, but I can tell you, we used to do staff meetings once a month mm -hmm. in person and our team in Charlotte would call in and all of our remote people would call in and only the New York team was together. Now we do, I do every week. We have a weekly one hour, I call it virtual lunch. I started it, I think the second week or the first mm -hmm. week that we were working remotely. And as a way to check in, we started doing, uh, our, my CEO, COO and I do daily updates, just keeping people up to speed on what's happening. And you, you mix in some fun. Uh, and I, I just, what we've seen is agencies have found ways to address it. Uh, of course, they still want to come back together physically as soon as they, <laughs> a lot of them, as soon as they possibly can. But they, they have been able to find ways around that. And it also shows the strength of your culture if it can continue to exist in a virtual way. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Yeah, at core, one of the things that was like, well, like very valued from from our team is that apart from like adding more more meetings, virtual meetings, as as you have just mentioned, we also put it um like a kind of a new like the new normal for us. It it includes. Uh, like work and travel, so you can you can get you can pick any month of the of the year, and you can work from like wherever you want, and you just like because our new normal would be to go to the office like probably two two days a week, um, probably probably a little bit more or less, but that's that's gonna be the the average, and then you can take a month one like in a row or just like pick some weeks like four weeks in the year and you can travel abroad and, and work from there so it's a work from home a work work and travel policy that is being very valued that's uh, great yeah it's back to flexibility and so 
I always talk about for any employee, you have their performance, which is really like subjective. Uh, sorry, it's very objective. Like they're either performing and delivering or not. Um, fulfillment is very different for every individual and it's very yeah. subjective. And so what may make you happy uh, is leaving every day early to spend time with uh, your friends or your family. Whereas for someone else, it might be, to your point, the flexibility to go live somewhere else for a month and mm. have that kind of flexibility. So I, I think it's, it's going to be more important to understand what that fulfillment looks like for each employee and to mm. be much more flexible. Um, this is a time where people have to be more autonomous, um, but it's really clear you're either delivering or you're not, right? Yeah. The deadlines are there. I know that that was challenging in the beginning. It made people very nervous because there were layoffs and people were concerned about their jobs. I think people have started to settle in now and uh, are taking time off, which they need to take time off. Everyone needs to recharge and to understand how they can balance that. Yeah, totally. So, Marla. I don't know if you want to add something else, uh, but if not, like I would like to, to thank you a lot for the time. I would like to thank everyone for joining us and for asking those questions. And I'm very happy that we, that both organizations, 4A and, and CORE, built this partnership to empower more agencies and to help them transitioning through this crisis. So on my end, just thank, like thanks to you again. And hopefully we can hear ah, people saying thank you. Yeah. And I don't know, Marla, if you will, if you would like to add something else or. No, that's great. And thank you for participating in the Accelerate Access program and for all you are doing to help agencies and to ensure that they get the financial uh, rewards and value that they deserve. Great. Okay. Thank you, Marla. Thank and you thanks. so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye.